As we continue to look at the, the, the Trinity, today we're going to look at God our Father. And this week I've been in some uh, discussions on, the, on the Facebook and uh, discussing who is God and some things. And interesting to me that uh, there are people who think that God is who they think he is. I, I find that intriguing a little bit, but um, that, you know, whoever I think God is, God is this because, well, I think that's the way he ought to be. Or God is this, or God ought to do this because I think that's what he ought to do. That's what a God would do. And I thought, wow, if you believe, I mean, how do you believe in a God that's in your image that you make him out to be? I thought, well, that's kind of almost foolishness. But, but anyway, it was, it was some interesting discussion. And, and I realized that basically it boils down to either you can, decide that God is whoever you make him up to be in your own mind you can come up with well I think God ought to do this or I think God ought to be this or this is how God should act or you can believe that God is who he says he is according to his word and so if he is who he says he is according to his word then we find out about who he is by looking in the Bible not by not by having a discussion we could have a group discussion about who does everybody think God is but when we was all done that would be just our opinions and I see that as uh, not a very good way of seeing who God really is. So because of that, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. And we're going to look at his word and, and see some characteristics of God. And the first scripture is in 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, the 6th verse. It says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things, and we are for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through him we live. There is one God, and he is God the Father. God the Father. You know, when we, when we pray, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. You know, so, so it says that God is, God is the Father. You know, that was one of the comments in the discussion. Well, God is he, she, or it. I thought, What? You know, somebody said, it didn't matter. He can, be, he can be whatever you want him to be. No, it says he is God, our Father. He's our Father. He's our Father. Now, he is God, our Father. He is not like your Father. Now, some people stumble there sometimes because when you say Father, then they have an image of what a Father is based upon who their Father was, and that can vary. And earthly fathers aren't perfect fathers, okay? So don't compare God our Father to your earthly father. God our Father is different than your earthly father. Father, he's much better. Okay, he's much better. So we have God our Father. And in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, it says there's one God, and he's the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's one God, he's the Father of all. He's the Father of everybody. Now, do you know that if you have children, you have all kinds of children? You know, if you have lots of children, you can have various, lots of variations. If you're the father of all creation and the father of the whole universe, do you think you've got a lot of different kinds of kids? You know, do you think maybe you've got some rebellious kids? Do you think maybe you even got some kids that don't think you're their father? Well, of course, but it doesn't matter. He's still their father. He is still their father, whether they think he is or not. Because it says he's the father of all. He's the father of all. He's their, he's their father. And he wants them to come and be his children. 
but he's the father of all, you know, and uh, so we need to we need to understand that God, he's the father. He's the father. Now, what's he like? Well, again, don't compare him to, well, you know, I have real trouble. I, I've had people over the years to say, well, I have a real trouble with that father image because my dad. Well, you got to get that out of your head or you got to forgive your dad or you got to let it go or something has to happen. Because God, your father, is different than your father in this earth. Okay? Now, we got to find out what he's like. So in John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter, we're going to look at some of his characteristics. The 14th chapter, beginning at the 9th verse. Jesus says, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Okay, now Jesus, this is part of that triune. What did Jesus say? He says, I and the Father were one. We're one. You know, he's the Father, I'm the Son, but we're one. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. One of the things about knowing what God's like is, well, what was Jesus like? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen what Jesus did on this earth, then you know what the Father's like. So, we, you know, we can look at Scripture. What do we see? We see that Jesus loved people. We see that Jesus forgave people. We see that Jesus healed people. We see that Jesus delivered people from the bondages of sin and Satan. And we see that he fed people. He physically took care of them. I mean, we can get a picture of what God's like because God sent his son. And Jesus said, I and the Father are one. You can't separate them. You can't say, well, Jesus is like this, but the Father's different. No, they're not different. They're one. They're one. You know, it's part of that whole trinity. It's part of their being triune God. You can't, you can't separate them. So a lot of times, if you want to know what God's like, well, just read your Bible and see what Jesus did. See what Jesus did. See how he acted. See how he treated people. See how he treated the woman at the well. See how he treated people that he met. You know, how did he, how did he treat them? Well, that's what God's like. That's what God's like. And then we, we find that God is omnipresent, okay? And uh, I, I personally, if I think about this very much, it's kind of difficult for me to think about how that works. Um, Psalms 139, verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. And he says, well, wherever I go, God's there. He's omnipresent. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a concept that's a little bit hard for me. I accept it because I know it's true. But, you know, I think in all of creation, I don't know if you think like this, but maybe it's good you don't. But, you know, I think 
isn't it something that God can care about me here and care about somebody over there and then care about somebody over there and take care of all these people who are asking their prayers and God's everywhere. Isn't that something? I mean, I'm like, whoa, whoa. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Wherever I go, he's there. And he's there with everybody at all at the same time. You know, what a, what a, what a, facet of god that he's always with us always with us always there omnipresent always with us wow what a what a blessing what a blessing if he was a god that was just in one place and you had to wait your turn i don't know you know with all the billions of people on the earth and you had to wait your turn i don't know that would be awful that'd be awful right now you'd be busy in florida how would you get his attention you know I don't know. It'd be like, wow. But he's, I mean, he's with us. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. He's great in power. He made the heavens and the earth by his outstretched arm, and there's nothing too hard for him. He's all-powerful. Now, what happens sometimes is I hear people take that verse, and they say, well, then why doesn't God do this? Because he's all-powerful. You know, he's all-powerful, so he should just cater to my needs and take care of me when I need him. Because he's all-powerful. Why isn't he? Why doesn't he make that? hurricane go a different direction why doesn't he you know take care of my problems why doesn't he do this why didn't he do that well you got to take all of his attributes and put them all together you can't just separate one and pick and choose yes but he's still all powerful yeah could he change that hurricane oh yeah you know he could change directions he could snuff it out you know but he's all powerful you know, and that's that's a concept that we need to remember that that, yes, he can do anything. He can do anything. But there's other factors, I believe, that that play into that of why he doesn't just do what I want. You know, when I want it at my bidding. It also says that he knows everything. Psalms one forty seven. Psalms 147, verse 5. Great is, your, great is our Lord and mighty is his power. His understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. He knows everything. He knows everything. And in Deuteronomy 29, 29, this is a verse that sometimes it's good to keep, keep, in, your, uh, keep in your mind when you're struggling with some things. But in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. Secret things belong to the Lord. He knows everything. He knows everything. And there's things that he knows that you don't know. Isn't that something? He's infinite. He knows everything. 
And there's things that he knows that you don't know because the secret things belong to the Lord. There's things sometimes, folks, you just can't explain. And you just got to get there and say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. And it's okay. It's okay. God knows everything, but you don't know everything, and you don't have to know everything. The secret things belong to the Lord, and sometimes we've got to just leave it there. We've got to just leave it there. But, you know, our problem is I want God to give me some answers. You know, I think he's somehow accountable to me. That somehow he has to answer to me. I think we can ask, but, you know, sometimes you may ask, but you may not get the answer to a specific question. You know, and it's just you got to leave it there. You got to leave it there. And then and then we know that the Lord, he's compassionate. He's compassionate. Psalms 103, verse 13. It says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Has compassion, pities. Feels, feels what we're going through. Knows what we're going through. Has feelings for what we're going through. He has compassion. You know, it's not like he's just hard-hearted and he just sets up in heaven and just, you know, bossing out orders and, you know, just like do this, do this, and doesn't care what happens. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. You know, he, he, he sees what we're going through. He sees what we're going through. He sees our struggles. He sees our struggles. I believe he has compassion. Of course, when I think about him, what do I think when I think about him having compassion? I think compassion means you ought to take care of it right away. See, I think when, you know, if he's got compassion, then fix it so I can get on with life. You know, well, no, that's not necessarily the way it goes. You know, did you ever have your children go through something? You have all this compassion for them, but you know, they just need to go through it. They just, you know, I feel for them. I feel bad. I feel bad they got to go through this, but you know what? I see that they need to learn or that this is part of life and as things are happening. So, so, you know, you can have compassion and it doesn't mean you don't change things. Sometimes people go, well, if you had compassion, you would fix it. Well, you can have compassion. Sometimes you can't fix it. Sometimes you shouldn't fix it. Sometimes we have compassion and probably try to fix things. We ought to just let go and let things take their course and let people learn sometimes we can have too much compassion and probably keep people from learning to do the right thing the bible says he's merciful In ephesians the second chapter the fourth verse it says god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us who's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. He has a lot of mercy. We may not always think so, but you know, if you think about it, somebody the other day said, I don't know why I get all this. I don't deserve it. Would you tell me what you don't think we deserve if you really think about it? If you really think about it, what makes us think we deserve Everything handed to us. We deserve just smoothness. What did we do to deserve that? Because we're such good people? 
You know, the Bible tends to say that we've all sinned and come short. We're all the same. If we think we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. And so to think that I deserve is kind of a bad, bad way to look at things. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank goodness. Thank goodness. God, who is rich in mercy, he doesn't always give us what we deserve. He doesn't always give us what we deserve. If we got what we deserved, we would just be in terrible, terrible, terrible shape. Terrible shape if we got what we really deserve. Because you know what? God is just. God is just. Psalms 19, verse 9. Psalms 19, 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He's just. His judgments are true and righteous altogether. He's just. You know, there's no, there's no argument. When you go to his court, you're not going to sit there and argue with him. I don't know. You know, I watched Judge Judy once in a while in the afternoon, every once in a while she'll say, um, in this room, there's only one opinion that matters. It's mine. And I think, you know, when it comes to God, he's just and true, and his opinion is the only one that matters. There's not going to be negotiation because he's true. He's just. He's just. And it's just not going to vary. It's not going to vary. You know, I don't know. I suppose we may not like it. There might be a part of it like, well, I don't think I like that. Well, probably not, but it's just. It's just. And in First Peter one seventeen. First Peter one seventeen says, And if you call on the Lord, who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Without partiality, God is not partial. When he judges, he's not partial. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't give one an advantage because of who you are or, or this or that. He's just fair and just. He's fair and just. And there's going to be there's going to be no argument. The other thing is because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Now this is one that's probably some of these you know as you go on they start to bother you a little bit sometimes, um, but the fact that he's sovereign. Psalms 115.3 says, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. That's kind of blunt. I mean, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, our God's in heaven. He does what he pleases because he's sovereign. He doesn't have to check with you and me about what he wants to do. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. And, and that's, that's how he operates. He's supreme. He's absolutely independent. Absolutely independent. Absolutely operates on his own. You know, sometimes we want to be independent. You know, sometimes we want to be that way. But, you know, he's the one. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. He works all things 
according to the counsel of his will. He works everything according to what he's decided to do. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. And that's, that's how he operates. And he doesn't have to consult with us. You know, and, you know, we can pray and have, ask him, and, but he doesn't have to consult with us about what he's doing. In Romans eleven thirty three, Romans eleven thirty three says, "Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become His counselor, or who has first given to Him, and it shall be repaid to Him? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen." Who has known the mind of the Lord? I can know what he's like, but who's known his mind? And who's become his counselor? You know, very seldom does he come down and ask me for my opinion about something. <laughs> Think about it. Never happened. Never happened. You know, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. But thanks goodness, he's loving. He's loving. Probably our favorite verse sometimes is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, loved us, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God being loving is God, it's God's love. And God's love is sacrificial. Again, God's love is not like your love and my love. Our love is conditional many times. I'll love you if you behave. I'll love you if you act right. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll love you if you do what I want you to do. But God's love is sacrificial. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't love us because we were good. He loved us because we were bad. He loved us. He loved us sacrificially. Then he turned around and died for us while we were in that condition. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got it all together, Christ died for us, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's love. That's God's love. I've got one that I think is not going to show up here. But it's also, it's the fact that he's the judge. He's the judge. And he's the one who decides. In Psalm 75, 7. Oops. Psalm 75, 7 says, But God is the judge. He puts one down and exalts another. Doesn't that bother you a little bit? That bothers me. A little bit. God's the judge. God decides. God decides, puts one down, exalts another. What's our first words out of our mouth? Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, he's in charge. He's in charge. Sometimes we've got to get to that place. That's not always an easy place to get to, that God's in charge. That God's in charge. But he's the judge. He's the one that decides. And one day, 
I believe that he's going to be the final judge. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says that he's going to return. And in Romans, the 20th chapter, the 11th verse, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the whole heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. There comes a day when God's going to judge. He's going to judge us. The Bible says he's going to judge our words, every word, every idle word we spoke. Now that, that ought to you know, that make you a little nervous. You know, I don't know how that works, but he's going to judge every idle word we spoke. Now, as far as our eternal salvation, that's all taken care of because of the blood of Jesus. Okay. But then we're also going to get judged for our idle words. It's like, oh my goodness. I hope nobody's watching. Isn't that what, you know, that's what I think. I'm like, okay, I don't mind if it's just him and me in a room. But I just soon didn't open that book in front of everybody. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. But you know, he's, he's the judge. And he's the righteous judge. And he's going to decide. He's going to decide. And he's coming back to do that. And I, I, I have a, my last scripture I want to share is the fact that, you know, it's very interesting to me that, you know, when Jesus returns, that nobody knows when he's coming back, not even Jesus. Okay? Now, it's interesting to me in my little thinking process that, well, if they're both one, he said, I and the Father are one, then it looks like God's keeping this secret from him. But he said that only the Father knows. So somehow, only the Father knows that. Okay? Because in Mark 13, 32, Jesus says, But of the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So when Jesus returns, the Father is the only one that knows when that's going to happen. When that's going to happen. One of my one of my favorite pictures, and, and I had I uh, maybe you remember um, it was Katie O'Brien who became Katie Clink. Her husband is a artist, and he works up at the Toledo Museum of Art. I told him one time I said one of my favorite pictures is in my head is Jesus returning on a white horse, and so he drew me a picture of Jesus returning on a white horse. I have this big picture; it's about this big of Jesus returning on a white horse. I tell you that to say this, and this is, again, this is kind of my thinking, okay? This is my thinking. But if only the Father knows that when Jesus is returning, okay, I have this thought in my head that all of a sudden the Father's going to go, go get the horse. <laughs> I thought, wow, what a, what a thing, go get the horse. Because he's coming back on a white horse in all the glory. He's coming back, and he's going to reign forever and ever. And we're going to reign with him. We're going to reign with him. Wow. You know, but that day, only the Father knows. Only the Father knows. So we can see that, you know, God the Father is, is a part of the Trinity. They're one, 
but there's parts of them that's different. And sometimes that's just hard to get through my head, but I got to just go, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Do I have to understand everything? No. I can grow in wisdom and understanding, but I know that, you know, I'm never going to understand everything. Not going to happen. But I can continue to grow. But there's just some things, the secret things, there's certain things I've got to just trust God. And that makes some people very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. That, what do you mean I have to trust? I don't get answers? No, sometimes you're not going to get answers. You trust. You trust. You put faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we cannot see. You don't have to see everything. We put our faith and trust in him. And the more we understand who God is, and the only way we're going to understand who he is, it's by knowing his word and what he said about himself. It's not what I think. You know, it's not what I think. I try to, a lot of times when I say, well, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, that's my thinking. That don't make it right. That's just thinking. But when he said in his word, this is who I am, then I can trust that because he says, I am who I am. I am who I am. He is who he is. He is who he says he is. He's not who I think he is. And we just need to understand that. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can become your children because you loved us so much you sent your Son to die on a cross and shed his blood for our sins. Lord, just help us to receive that. Help us to receive who you are. Lord, just thank you for being so good to us. Lord, we just thank you for, for your, your blessings, your faithfulness to us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, you just remind us that because of you, because our robes are washed white, our robes are washed white with blood, the Lord, we can stand before you in robes of white, clean because of what you did, not because of what we did, but because of what you did. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for that love for us. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us as we go out throughout this week, Lord, that we would just have that desire to continue to learn more about you and to know you. Know you for who you are. Lord, I just pray you just be with us through this week. Lord, as we have opportunity, help us to share your love with those around us, whether in word or deed. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, just pray that if anyone has a need for prayer, that you would encourage them to come up and, and meet with uh, Tom and Pam or, or Jim and Rose over to my left. Lord, that they would come up and, and receive prayer for whatever they might be needing prayer for. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.